0: Thank you, Elder Doug, for leading us a time of uh, reminding us what's the purpose of our church. And and Nick, uh, I like your name. You got a real good name there. (laughs) And so, but kidding aside, I am blessed just to be here and to hear and witness what God is doing in their lives and what Uptown Baptist Church is all about. As you know, I'm going through a membership class, and this morning, Elder Doug reminded us why we exist as a church. And I believe it is a fitting tide, what we're doing, the series of the last uh, four weeks of the month of June. We're doing a series called To Be the Church. What does God envision, and what does God want us from a church, and how does it look like as a biblical functioning church? And we started out the series four weeks ago by talking about who we are, and that we need to first believe in Jesus Christ. To be the church that God wants us to be, that first and foremost, we need to believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? And the second thing that we need to be is that we have a sense of belonging. Do we belong to the body of Christ? Are we dependent on one another? Not independent, but dependent on one another, loving and caring one another as a church. And third week, last week, we talked about to to become. What are we becoming as a church? That what is, is, as Christ died for the church 2,000 years ago, and I was reminded this morning what Jesus Christ said to Peter, Because of Peter's great confession, you are the Messiah, you are Christ. And Jesus looked Peter in the eye and said, on that confession, I will build my church. And all of us confess that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Christ, amen? Amen. And we are becoming the church that God died for, we're becoming the church that God envisioned for, and we are becoming the church that he says, that's what I'm talking about, amen? Amen? And today, we're going to land this plane, and we're going to talk about what? We're going to, to talk about be sent. As a church, again, I believe it's a fitting that, again, that Nick and Rainy came, and I we did orchestrate this. Only God can do this. Amen? Amen? The time that I'm going to give the message, concluding the message about being sent, all nation, baptizing them in all, you know, sh- uh, the, uh, discipling, baptizing them in the name of the Father, name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Nick and Rainey should come and share what they have been doing. And again, it's a God thing how he just kind of orchestrated this perfectly. Amen. You know, it's not us that orchestrated it, but it was all about God. But next month, as you see it in your bulletin, I'm super excited. And I'm super excited in all messages, right? I'm super excited about new beginnings. What God is calling us as a church, new beginnings, especially that we are post-pandemic. And I believe that God is moving us forward. And you see it in your In The first week that we're going to talk about next week is about moving forward. And how we move forward is about, Paul talks about forgetting the past and focusing on what is ahead. Looking to Christ. Because again, you and I know Paul had a pretty bad history. I know oh, I appreciate Pastor Mark as he was sharing about how he had a pretty past history. Again, because he put that behind him, now he can move forward. Second, we were talking about biblical principle for pruning. Third, we're going to talk about the wise and the foolish builders. And the fourth, I like this. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. And please look, uh, look forward to that. I'm looking forward to this. Keep this. Pass it out to your neighbors, coworkers, or whoever, it may be, whoever that you come across. And say, this is what we're, our church is going to talk about. And invite them. Let me pray and then... Are you all excited to be here this morning? Yeah. I'm feeling it. And again, Brother uh, Philip and the team, man, I was blessed. After that, I said, we can go home now. <laughs> but I got to do my part now, preach the pr- and proclaim the word. Amen? Amen. So let's ready be, re- uh, be ready to receive God's word. And let's pray and ask for his anointing and blessing. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for the gift of music. Father, we thank you for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is in us and that is dwelling within our church, that enables us, empowers us to sing praises unto his name, that we can sing Hallelujah for what you have done for us. So God, I pray that you will continue to move now, and I pray that you prepare our hearts to to be ready to receive your word, and that that we will receive it and we will apply it. And put it into practice. And so God, I pray that you bless it. Lord, now may the meditation of my heart and the words that are spoken through this servant may be pleasing to your sight. In the holy name of Christ we pray. Amen. A friend invited James to a, a weekend retreat, a youth retreat. He was hesitant to go, but friend was very persuasive and, and aggressive and say, come on, man, you got to go with me. He, he kind of gave him the, uh, this kind of guilt remark. If you are my friend and you like hanging around with me, then let's do this thing together. Sounds, like, sounds kind of like me, all right? So again, James finally said, okay, I'll go with you to this weekend retreat. So they went on a weekend retreat, and over this weekend retreat, James found Christ and accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior following monday he was all pumped up and excited that he accepted jesus christ and that he was a new creation and he was fired up and uh, any people that he met he wanted to share the gospel with the people that afternoon he met his good friend john and so he said hey john i got some fantastic news i i I went to a a, a weekend retreat with uh, you know peter you know peter yeah i know peter we went and 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 I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm born again, and Hallelujah! I'm born again. And He says, "Listen, you want to come to the church with me and, and Peter?" John looked at him and said, "Man, that is awesome news! Praise God! God is good." He says, "Why don't you come on? Why don't you come to my church?" Because I'm a Christian too. I'm born again, so now you and I are brothers in Christ. James was scratching and looked at John in his his eyes and he says, Brother, how come you never shared to me that you're a Christian? How come you never shared with me the gospel? How come you never invited me? to Ouch. The question naturally arises, are we like John? That we have friends and family. They don't know that you're a Christian. They never heard the gospel through you. Paul said, remember, how can one be saved unless they hear the gospel? And how how, how could they hear the gospel unless one is sent? And goes. And shares about the gospel. And you know, the story, you know that letter very well where Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of who carry the gospel, who carries the good news. He doesn't say how beautiful in terms of physical beauty. The world is talking about the physical beauty. Am I right? And they put so much value on the physical beauty. But when we look at the text, and when we look at Paul's heart, it's not so much about the physical beauty, but it's about the spiritual beauty. And the question I have to ask is, Is your feet beautiful? Is your feet beautiful? Not because you go to monthly a nice get a nice pedicure, not because you clean your feet every day and you wipe it out. I am not talking about that beauty, and I am not talking about you and I know you. You know what I am talking about. That's not what Paul was talking about. Are your feet beautiful? And that is a question that I have to begin with me. Is my feet beautiful because I'm carrying the good news? I'm carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the question that I have to ask again with you is that, is your feet beautiful because you are carrying the gospel? You are carrying the good news of Jesus Christ. I hope and pray, my beloved ones, that brothers and sisters, that Uptown Baptist Church is known to have beautiful feet. Amen? Come on now, you can do better than that. Amen? Brothers and sisters, here's a couple of questions that I want to ask you this morning. Is it worth taking the risk to reach out and share the love of Jesus Christ to those who are lost? Second question, is it right to proclaim the gospel in a way that pushes against social and cultural standards? Most of us, when it comes to evangelism, while we know it is important, we often dismiss it thinking someone else would do it. That's why we have the pastor. That's why we brought in the pastor to UBC. That's why we have Elder Doug as a elder, uh, pastor of mission. Someone else would do it. If we had that kind of mindset, someone else would do it, what happens? It ends up nobody ends up doing it. Are you with me? In his book, The Purpose Driven Church, Rick Warren, who's a pastor, he's uh, retired now, he's a pastor at Saddleback a Church out in California. Most of you are familiar with him. Reports on a survey that found 89% of church members believe the church purpose is this. Take care of my needs and those of my family. That's consumerism right there. Only 11%, hear me now, only 11% said the purpose of the church is to win the world for Jesus Christ. Wow. That's alarming statistics, isn't it? Very alarming. Do we fall into the category as UBC Church that we have fallen to 89%? Or do we fall into that 11% That all the purpose, we believe the purpose of the church is to win the world for Jesus Christ. And I believe that we fall into that 11%. But within the church, we are 100%. Amen? Amen. Brothers and sisters, have we gotten to the point we are downplaying the mission and the purpose of the church? Loved ones, the church talks a lot about evangelism But when you look at Christian and churches real close, when Jesus looked at the churches and the Christians real close, what would he see? He would see that a lot of churches and Christians talk about a big game about evangelism. But when he looks at the churches and Christians real close, it is least practice. In fact, many Christians in church rarely share their faith with their neighbors, friends and co-workers. Here's a, uh, here's a challenging question to you: is that when is the last time that you share the gospel? When was it? I believe that God gave you the opportunity to share the gospel. But when is the last time that you share the gospel with your neighbor, stranger, coworker or even your family member? something for us to think about. But if we truly believe knowing Jesus Christ is the best way to live, and we have been commissioned to share our faith and make disciples, then why are we so silent about our faith? Why? And that's something for us to think about. So this morning, we're going to look into Jesus' command for us to to go into the world and share who he is. And so our morning's text, as you are very familiar with it, is a very famous text. Many, if not all of you know this text, is in Matthew chapter 28. And it teaches us that I am sending you out to share the gospel and make the disciples out of all nations. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, or you can Uh, look behind me and there is uh, the text that is listed on the screen. Matthew chapter 28 beginning of verse 16. But before we go into verse 16 I want to give you the, the context of 28. After Jesus was crucified what happened? Mary and Magdalene and the other Mary as Matthew explains it they went to the tomb where Jesus was buried. Why did they go to the tomb? Because they thought. His body going to be laid there. And they were going to anoint him with oil. But the problem is. Even though their intention was good. Even their intent was good. They failed Jesus because. They didn't believe that he resurrected. They believed that his body was still laying. Dead in the tomb. So it doesn't matter how, your, how good your intention is. But if you don't believe in the resurrection, then it is useless and ineffective. So they went to, 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 uh, to annoy Jesus' body. So Matthew explains, but as soon as they got there, the tomb was what? Empty. Empty. Hallelujah. Amen. Why? Because the body was not there. And why? Because the body was risen and resurrected. Now that's another sermon, month, a monthly sermon I'm going to give on the type of Jesus' resurrection. The angel of the Lord appeared to the women and said, This don't be afraid. Why? Jesus has risen. Amen. The women were filled with joy and immediately headed out to tell the disciples. But on the way, something happened, miraculous thing happened. When the women were running and looking for chasing after Jesus, uh, to the disciples, what happened? Who appeared? Jesus appeared to this woman. He wanted to encourage them. He wanted to empower them and he wanted to make sure that, listen, I resurrected. I resurrected. And that's where we pick up in verse 16. Matthew said, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. The eleven did what Jesus told them to go do, and they went up to Galilee. Now, Galilee was the home of Jesus. Remember when people were kind of criticizing Jesus, they were saying, Can anything good come out of Galilee? Refer to Jesus. So Jesus came from Galilee and he did most of his teachings and miracles. For example, you know the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that Jesus ever gave on the Sermon on the Mount, you know where that was? Galilee. You know the first miracle that Jesus performed when he turned water into wine? Where was that? Galilee. So Galilee has is, is a special place for Jesus. So naturally, that's where he would teach his disciple this command that he's about to give. Matthew tells us, when the disciples saw Jesus, what did they do? They worshipped. When they saw Jesus, what they did, it was that they worshipped him. Just as if we read the text of earlier on of Matthew, what did the women do? They respond in worship. So the disciples and, and the women, when they saw Jesus the response of seeing Jesus was act of worship. But some doubted and did not worship. Notice in verse 17, Matthew said this, when they saw him, they is referring to the 11 disciples. Remember the 12th one, the 12th one was Judas Iscariot. He he hung himself out of guilt because he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. But the eleven worship. But the other, what some referred to other followers, not the eleven disciples, but other followers, not the eleven disciples, what? They responded, what, with doubt. The fact that some doubted points out to to the fact that they didn't believe Jesus' resurrection. It never occurred to them. They never anticipated. They never imagined it. And they failed to understand that Jesus' resurrection. And You all know, even today, people do not, some people, a lot of people, do not believe in just Jesus' resurrection. The question is, what makes a person believe in Jesus' resurrection? I believe it is the believing in the Word of God. Believing in the Word of God. In John chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, this is what it says. If you turn to the next slide, it says, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will what? Raise it up again in three days. In verse 20, they replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. Whose day? It is the Jews. And you are going to raise it up in three days? We built this temple, it took 46 years, and you're going to take it three days to to raise it up again? Verse twenty one, he says, "But this temple, the temple he had spoken of was what? His body. And check this out. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recall what he had said. Then they believe. What do they believe in? The Scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken." You see, it is believing in the Word of God that what Jesus said in the Gospels that leads us to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe in the Word of God, you're not going to believe in the resurrection. But I want you to catch this now. Believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it calls us, it responds, Excuse me, responds to us and it leads us to what? Worship. See? If you believe in the Word of God, if you believe in the resurrection of Christ, it will naturally lead you to worship, lifting up your hands and exalting and praising Him just as we did this morning. As good as internet is, as good as live stream is. It's not the same. Do you hear me? It's not the same to be in the house of God. And to be with the people of God. And, is, and to, to worship together. Lifting up holy hands. And nothing rejuvenates us. Being in the house of God. Worshipping. Encouraging singing songs that are so worthy of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I've, we still got to do live stream. I got an email this, uh, this uh, uh, early this week. Special shout out to this person who's watching from Poland. So God is reaching the different countries. And praise the Lord. And this person said, I wish I was in Uptown, worshiping with you all. You see, this person can't because this person is in Poland. But the fact of the matter is, the believing in resurrection leads us to worship. And for that reason, we are gathered together every Sunday morning. He is the reason why we gather every Sunday morning. Because we want to celebrate His resurrection. Because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because we believe in Jesus Christ, we want to give Him worship. Amen? Amen. And for that reason, we gather together on Sunday mornings. And when we gather on Sunday mornings, we are coming together as one body, saying and complaining, And professing and confessing of believing in Jesus Christ's resurrection. Brothers and sisters, we have two choices. Bottom line, we have two choices. Either you're going to worship God, or you're going to doubt. You have two choices. And I don't know about you, and I believe UBC, we take the first choice that we're going to worship God and not doubt God. (laughs) Jesus goes up to his disciples and speaks. Notice in verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now the question is, why did Jesus is saying to his 11 disciples, He says, All authority has been given to me. It is because it is setting up to what he's going to say next. You see? Now, in the Greek, the word authority is exousia. Which means delegated power. Refers to authority God gives. So Jesus is reminding his 11 disciples that God the Father gave all authority unto him. And he has the authority to do what he wants to to do. All authority from the Father is mediated through His Son, Jesus Christ, and has been given to His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has, has been enlarged after the resurrection. You see, prior to the resurrection, God did not give Him the authority. But after the resurrection, that He was what? Resurrected That he has been given the authority. And I believe that is symbolic for us too. That we are died to our old self. And that we are resurrected to new life. And that we are new creature. That we, creation. That we have been given the authority as well. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Jesus enlarged his authority by resurrection that includes heaven. All heaven, earth, and universe. Jesus now has the authority and therefore he commands his disciples to what? To go and make disciples. He says, look, look here, look here, Peter, John, James and John, Matthew. And he looks at them and he says, listen, three and a half years I spend in my time. Three and a half years I invested my time in you. I slept with you. I drank with you. We did ministry together. You, you witnessed me heal, performing miracles. You witnessed that I, I was walking on water. You witnessed that I calmed the storm. You witnessed that I fed over 10,000 people. Now I have this power. Uh, you saw the power in me. And so that, that same power, I'm going to give it on to you. And so be, as you experience my power and me and as you, my discipleship, I want you to go out and disciple all nations. Jesus did that for three and a half years because his purpose was so that they'd go out and make disciples out of all nations as well. Why did Jesus wash disciples' feet on his knees? Why did he go on his knees and wash Peter's 30 feet? Because he wanted to show by example and said, now go and do likewise. I see? Not only that you would serve others because I've served you, but you also disciple as I discipled you for three and a half years. And this command is not only for the the, the 11 disciples, but this command is for you and for me. As we are new creation, as we are born again, men and women, that we have resurrected from our old self to new life. It's sort of like in the modern day language, Jesus is giving you a power of attorney. Let's go do it represent me go in my name and you would do more than I ever ever done in three and a half years because we are able to reach the nations you see notice in verse 19 he says therefore go and make disciples out of all nations Jesus is not only saying Share the gospel. Jesus is not saying knock at someone's door. Jesus is not saying just share the gospel with your coworker, but you don't follow up. Sometimes it's easy to pass out tracks, isn't it? Sometimes he just says, Hey, believe in Jesus Christ, and you walk away from that person and you feel good about it and say, Hey, I did evangelism today. I, I passed out the track. I shared about the gospel, but there is no follow up. Jesus is saying there's follow up, and that is discipleship. Amen. He didn't say go make, go, go and evangelize. He said go and make disciples. He called us to disciple men and women from all nations. The main emphasis in this command in verse 19, the main emphasis, and I want you to highlight this word as you see it, is to make Disciples. That is the main emphasis of the command that Jesus gave to disciples and us. Now, the Greek word for make disciples is one word. Matheo. Matheo. It's one word. The Greek word for make disciples is one word, which means helping someone progressively learn the Word of God. Did you get that? Helping someone to progressively learn the Word of God to become mature growing disciple. Helping a believer learn to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in belief and in practice. That's what Jesus Christ is calling you and me to do. To help someone to grow in the knowledge of Christ. To help someone so that they be obedient to the word of God. And helping someone to apply it in their daily lives. And to put it into practice. If we just stop it evangelism, evangelism right there. We can't do that. You evangelize. Follow up. And you disciple the person that you evangelize to. You see. I remember... Very well, and you often hear my mentor's name, Robert Cady. Uh He's been ministering to me since I was in high school. Literally, he went where I went. You talk about Jesus Christ he says, therefore, go, go where? Well, go where the sinners are, and that's where she had, my mentor. He literally went to the places that I went. Friday nights, you know, some of my friends we would go to party and back then, you know, we like to dance, so we had to kind of dance and stuff. You know, that's when, you know what, guys? That's when the break dance was coming alive. So, can you imagine me doing break dance? Yeah, I, I show you a little bit. All right. Now, if this car is a uh, hardwood floor, I'll, I'll, I'll do a little moonwalk for you. You know, that's that's another another time. You know. But, you know, I grew up in the city, and again, so, but this pastor, Robert Cade, he went where I went, and he followed. And some of us is like, there comes Robert, we better hide, because he's going to share the word with us. Eventually, he caught up with us. The seeds that God planted, it blossomed. And one day in my college dorm, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen. And I called Pastor Robert. And I said, Robert, I got great news. I just accepted Christ. And all the seeds that you planted, all the hard work that you did, you literally went where I went. You invested your time in me. And now you'll see the fruit of that. What you put, to, what you'll see the fruit. And you'll reap the harvest. And in the midst of these, Nick, nick, nick like no that's only the beginning now I'm going to disciple you see and out of his busy schedule in the midst of his busy schedule he took time to disciple me and because he took time to disciple me I am the man of God that I am today amen you see and that's what Jesus Christ is telling us I'm discipling someone are you discipling a, a, a boy or a girl or a teenager or, or, or a young man or young lady? And, 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 and are you doing that? Because that's what Jesus Christ is saying. Therefore, go and make disciples. Remember, make disciples is one word. Mateo. What follows naturally after discipleship is baptism. And when the time came, it finally came that the Lord provided a godly woman for me because he had to do a lot of work in my life before he said, I'm going to marry you off. You know? He took a law, he said, Nick, you you need a lot of work, boy. (laughs) And he worked and prepared me and finally sent the godly woman and, and there was Robert again. Robert said, "Nick, for one month, I'm going to pre. Uh, we're going to do premarital counseling." I looked at Robert and said, "Robert, I'm a pastor. Do I need premarital counseling?" He goes, "Yes, you do." He says, "I don't care how mature you are. I don't care if you're a pastor. You need premarital counseling." And so that's my policy to th- to this day. If if any of you come ask me, say, Pastor Nick, can you officiate our wedding? Then I'm going to say, for one month, you need premarital counseling. And again, in the, in primary, he discipled us. You see that? He discipled us. That's what God is calling us. Discipleship does not just stop after three and a half years. It continues on. It continues on. You see? That's how we grow. And that's how we become the men of God, the women of God. And that's why I'm so excited By the way, brothers and sisters, listen, we had our first men's group yesterday. Praise God. Including myself, we have 14 men. And said that we want to grow. We want to grow in the Lord. And we want to keep each other accountable. And we want to become men of God that God called us to be. You see? We don't want to live wishy-washy lives. So women of God, women of God, pray for men's ministry and so men you're going to see the more announcements of that coming up, we're going to meet twice a month twice a month, Friday and Saturday every other twice a month why? because we want to grow together, we want to disciple each other, we want to encourage each other to disciple younger men that's what we're called to do and to be the husband that God has called us to be to be the leader that God has called us to be. To be the leader that God has called us to be in the church. In order for us to do that, we need to be discipled by God and with one another. Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the priority of the Lord. He resurrected and appeared to the 12, 11 disciples. Why? Go and make disciples out of all nation. You see that? Do you see the priority of Jesus? Do you see the mission and purpose of Jesus? He resurrected. He appeared to the 11 men to tell them the purpose and the reason and the priority and what he values. And that is to make disciples. He tells the disciples to go. He's sending them off to the world to be his witness. The the question naturally arises is, where are we going? Many of us talk about visiting different states, different places. Many of us have a bucket list in that, well, I want to visit different parts of the world. I want to see. Many of us have a bucket list. Maybe we want to visit Israel to see the Holy Land. Many of us, for me, I personally, I want to visit Australia because I love the mountains and water. That's my bucket list. But we could say that we want to go all we want. But if we don't actually follow up and go, then it's meaningless, isn't it? We could talk all about it, but if we don't go and act upon it, it's meaningless. In the same way, we talk about evangelism all we want. We could have strategic planning of discipleship. And one of our pillars, of four pillars is discipleship. We could talk about it all we want. We could plan about it. We could come up with creative ideas. We could have a strategic meeting. And we could have even, even prayer meeting about discipleship. But if we don't go, and if we don't do it, it is meaningless. Amen? And that's what Jesus Christ is reminding us. He says, go go. Don't just talk about it. Go. Loved ones, in the same way, we must go. And the question is, where do we go? Where do we go? It could be to the, your neighbor. It could be to your co-worker. Jesus is nudging your heart in your, in your workplace. And Jesus has been nudging your heart for many months. And he says, come on, go, go to that person and share the gospel. Have you been there? Or, or, or your, uh, your friend. He says, are, you, are you like John? God is nudging your heart and Say, go to James, go to James, share the gospel with him. But we're like, no, 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 no that's not me. To that, Jesus is saying, go, go and make disciples. Jesus makes it very clear. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus also said, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. What I really see in this text, what Jesus said is this. What stands out to me is not so much that the Father is sending Jesus, but what stands out to me is this. Obedience. You see that? And here's the reason why I see that obedience just kind of stands out to me. And that is highlighted in this verse. Because as the Father sent Jesus, you see, if Jesus did not obey the Father by going, then it would not happen. Father could say, go, go all the time. But if Jesus did not obey and went, go, then it would not happen. So likewise, Jesus is calling for you and for me about life of obedience. See, Jesus has been telling us for many years to go, but are we obeying to Jesus? And, okay, I'm going to obey you, Jesus, and then I'm going to go. Do you see why I say what stands out is the obedience? And the question that I have to ask is this, are you being obedient? When Jesus is telling you, go, are you being obedient? And are you going? Jesus says, go and make disciples. Jesus is entrusting the message of the gospel to you and to me. And as he has given us this purpose and mission that is bigger than us and that he has commissioned us, what are we, how are we going to respond? To that question, there are four things that we must do. Four things. You see it behind, me. first is we must take the initiative. If Jesus tells you to go, we just can't sit around and say, well, Jesus, why don't you send the people to me? And I will evangelize to them, and I will disciple them. No. As Jesus took the initiative, as the 11 men of, this, of Jesus took the initiative, and they went, they went, they took the initiative. So in the same way, you and I cannot sit around, but we need to take the initiative. Amen? You need to go approach someone that you want to disciple and say, Hey, I want to disciple you. Would you join me? Let's do life together. Second is that we must open our mouths. Okay? If you, if you want to share the gospel, open your mouth. Many of us, all of us are very good opening our mouth. Sometimes saying the wrong thing. But we're called to open our mouth to share the gospel. To disciple someone. Third is that we must declare and demonstrate. Declare what? Declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord. And I demonstrate what? In my life, when I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord, the question I have to ask you is this. Are you seeing the demonstration of Jesus Christ in my life? Are there fruits in my life? Am I bearing the fruit? Am I bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Am I bearing love? Am I bearing patience? Am I bearing kindness? Am I bearing self control? Some of us need self control. Amen? Fourth is we must be prepared. Prepare for what? Opposition. People are going to call you names when you share the gospel, they're going to call you religious freak. They're going to call you narrow-minded. They're going to call you bigot. They're going to call you all these, you're fundamentalists. They're going to call you all these names. Because why? We said there was only one way. One way. Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I've been working with 12 men who's Muslims over the past five years. And they call me different types of names. They could do that because we have a relationship. One time, there were all 12 of them sat and I'm right in the middle and all 12 of them was lecturing me about Muslim. That didn't stop me. I laughed. I said, come on, give me more. I could take it. Because Jesus got my back. Amen? And Jesus is with me right now. So I don't fear if there's 12 men who are against Christianity. Bring it on because I got the Savior. And I got all authority in Jesus' name, Amen. So I want to challenge you: Why are you for, are you afraid to share the with Jesus Christ? Are you afraid because what they're going to call you, and some of them may blacklist you from your of the friends list? If they do that, then let it be. They're not the type of friend that you need, but they need Jesus Christ. So those are the four things that we need to practice. Brothers and sisters, we have a mission and purpose to live out. As UBC, we have a mission and purpose. And that mission and purpose is in verse 20, Matthew says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Here's the word again, the word obedience. We have to teach the people to obey the word of God. And now Jesus gives us a wonderful promise. Check this out in verse 11. Excuse me, in verse 20. He says, surely I am with you always. I take this promise to my heart. So wherever I go to share the gospel, wherever I go to share or disciple, I know that Jesus is with me because that's his promise. He says, I am with you always. Do you believe it, my dear brothers and sisters? Then we should not fear. Remember, I'll say it over and over again. Do not fear the one who can destroy your body, but fear the one who can destroy your body and soul. And only Jesus Christ has the authority to to do so because He's been given the authority. In closing, I believe it is definitely worth taking the risk to reach out, to share the love of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? I believe it is right to go against social and cultural standard to share the gospel. As we are living in a postmodern culture today where everything is relative, that all past leaves to one God. We all know that, if I can say, can I say this? That's garbage. Jesus says, I am the way, the only way. I am the way, the only way. Take the narrow path. I am the only way that leads to the Father. Amen? So, I believe it is also right to go against social and cultural standard to share the gospel. It is more urgent today. Because they believe in the universalism. They believe we're living in a postmodern era. I'll end this story. My mom's neighbor, there's a building and they have several units. The first unit was on fire. So the person that lives in that building smelled burning and said something's wrong. So immediately this person called the fire department. And this person, after he called the fire department, he was banging on his neighbor's door. Anyone in there? Anyone in there? There's smoke. There's fire. Get up. Get up. He continues to knock. And then what happened? One gentleman came up. He's like, what happened? He was asleep. He was asleep. So if this neighbor did not bang on the door, this person that was asleep would have died in that fire. You see? Brothers and sisters, there's a lot of people asleep in our world today. Amen? Amen. And that person that's asleep, Jesus calls it what? The lake of fire. The acid. It's called damnation. You know, Jesus talked about hell more than heaven. Because he was warning people, you don't want to go there. Because I created that place. And I know how bad that place is. It's like a lake of fire. It's like sulfuric acid. It is damnation. And the reason why it is damnation and it is why it's hell, because it is absence of God. And we know that there's a lot of people falling asleep. And if they don't wake up and if we don't wake them up, they will die in their sleep and they will be damned. So if we know people like that, then I believe it is a risk. Taking a risk so that someone that you and I minister to have a chance to go to heaven. And that's why Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ said, "Go make disciples." Because He doesn't want us any man perish. And if we say that we are followers of Jesus Christ, and if we say that we are His disciple, then we do not want any man, any person perish. Amen. You could do better than that. Amen. UBC. That is our mission. That is our purpose. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we could read it, we hear it, but it's meaningless if we don't obey it. It's meaningless if we don't follow it. Father, I pray that We will not be people that just let the word come into one ear and let it go out the other. But as we've been challenged by the word of God this morning, the the question that we ought to ask ourselves is, okay, I heard the word of God, now I need to apply it. I need to put it into practice. James makes a perfect illustration. What good is it if you hear the word of God and don't put it into practice? It's like a man who looks himself up in a mirror and forgets how he looks like Father, we would not forget what the Word of God said. And that we would obey. And that we will obey when you say, go and make disciples out of all nations. Father, may you be seen. That is our mission and our purpose. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: I have decided to follow Jesus. Please sing along with us. Stand. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. turning back, no turning back I have decided, I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus No turning back Turning back. No turning back. No turning back.
0: Thank you, Brother Philip. Let me uh, echo Pastors uh, Pastor Mark earlier announcement. To those of you who came in late, uh we're following the C D C guidelines and so that if you're fully vaccinated, uh the mask is optional. Uh I know that some will still continue to wear the mask you are vaccinated and we want to respect that. And so we ask that you would respect our policy as a church. Uh that uh you know if you're fully vaccinated then you have the option. But if you are not vaccinated I ask that you would follow the policy and wear the uh, uh, mask because you may be healthy, and you may be asymptomatic, and you may, you know, transfer that COVID to someone else. In the beginning, a lot of people were asymptomatic. They were healthy and strong, and how they transfer that virus was because they didn't wear a mask. And so when my parents were not uh, vaccinated, every time I visited my parents, I wore a mask. Because I wanted to protect my loved ones. I'm healthy. And so I could be asymptomatic too. But I'm vaccinated. That's fine. But not everyone is a choice. Vaccination is a choice. And we have that freedom to do so. If you choose not to uh, get vaccinated, that's great. We, we, We respect that. And so what I'm asking is that if you're not vaccinated, we ask that you respect our decision as well. And because, again, it's all about protecting someone that you love. Because as you know, we have a lot of, we have some elderly uh, brothers and sisters, elderly saints in our our church. And we want to protect them. And there are some uh, uh, saints in our church that physically, they're vulnerable. And they cannot have or have the virus. My older brother-in-law and my sister, my older brother-in-law, he lost his aunt and uncle due to COVID, and uh, he's a medical doctor. And honestly, he said to me, "He said, Nick, this ain't joke. As a medical profession, he said that this ain't a joke, because he saw a lot of lives lost due to COVID." And so, uh, having said that, I just want us to be respectful. And loving and kind. And just uh, we just ask that you will help us out. That's what we're asking. Help us out. Let's be the men and women that God has called us to be. And let's love one another to the point that we care about my fellow brother or fellow sister. And it's all about one another. Amen? So thank you for listening. But I just wanted to share my heart with you on this. Okay? So having said that, let's I'll close us out in prayer. Uh, bro. may the God of peace who through the blood of eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ that great shepherd of the sheep equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing unto him through our Lord Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever and all God's people said Amen We love you. Go in peace.